You are listening to the Conversations for Change podcast with Dolphin Casper. Hey, man. Great to see you. Yeah, thanks for making some time. I'm I really always enjoy f- your presence. Mm. I'm looking forward to this conversation. So uh, maybe you could just uh, introduce yourself. And, and I'm curious about when I look at people in the world and, and their, their body of work or what they might be currently doing, almost always my mind starts going, well, what was the path they took mm. to get there? And, and interested in, in what's unique about that and then also what's, what is a common thread that maybe we all share about that path. So if you have anything you'd want to share about what brought you to, to today and, and if you want to share about the specific work you're doing, that, that would be cool for the audience as well. Certainly. So I grew up with an East Indian family, which you see here is visiting. And my father's side are all entrepreneurs. My mother's side are all Gandhian social workers. So usually this is oil and water. (laughs) That's a sweet combo. (laughs) So I had to learn how to bring this particular side of making a difference in the world, combine it and bring unity into the part that is here for my own life and my own growth and progress and joys of life. So the business side, as well as the spiritual uh, societal service side. And so my journey has been that. How can I really find a way to make a difference on the planet and also enjoy the freedoms this life has to offer? And so very early on, I got involved in martial arts and martial arts really opened the doors for me. It was, it was very, how can I say, not attached to my body. I was very ephemeral, ascending in nature, very wanting to not be on this planet. And then when I saw Kung Fu, this TV show, Bruce Lee, and all those inspirations, I went, wow, that's that moves me. Because there was a temple energetic to it. There was a temple environment where one could go into a monastery, a Shaolin temple, which was, as a youngster, that was my ideal of where to go into and subject oneself to growing physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And so I found it was a series of divine (laughs) experiences, and I found a master who became my teacher for many years and his teachers. And so that led me on the path of human potential, self-discovery, and mastering my own life. And there was a lot to work on there. (laughs) I was very insecure and very shy to be in front of people and speak and but I had a rich inner life. I was feeling there's some divine, I didn't have words for it as a youngster, but there's something magical here that the world wasn't tapped into. And I wanted that. And so I went deep into metaphysics and spiritual teachings of every sort. I started that when I was about 11 or 12. And that led me to the search for truth itself. What is truth? Since there's so many so many non-stop ideas of what it is. And so that became my primary passion. It's led me uh, to this day where now that thirst for self-realization, self-awakening has become my passion and my gift to help others achieve as well. Amazing. As you speak, I'm, I'm just listening. And, and for me, that, that idea of being, or not even an idea, the reality of being more in the kind of ethereal, aspect of life and having trouble making sense like what's the meaning of being in a body like what's the meaning of doing things when you know this higher this deeper and and when you spoke about martial arts what what I was getting was there somehow it represented 
that those two things are actually a marriage, that they're meant to come together and be together and, and, and express together. And we live in a world where that's an exception as opposed to the rule. Yes. Even though for, for, from where I sit, you can't actually fully separate them. They're, they're, they're inexorably together and, and co-creating reality. And yet we live in a world that, that tends to divorce from one of them. Yes. So I'm just curious about, uh, you're talking about working with people around inviting them into that, that space and, and the, the maybe realizations that come and the growth that comes. What do you find helps when people either if they don't believe yet or they, they know it's there, but it's still kind of mm. smoke and mirrors, like they don't quick have a hold of it yet. Yes. So I'm just curious about that process. So in my work, I take a look at the propensities of an individual, myself of individuals. So there's what I consider an ascending line. So this is those of us who have a strong ascending line. We are drawn to things of ephemeral natures, metaphysics, spirituality, higher thinking, uh, subtle dimensions, subtle awarenesses, intuition, all these things which are ascending in nature. And some of us are very strong and intuitive and awake in that realm. And then there's other ones who have of us who are strengths in the descending realm, meaning they're very strong in their body, they're really good at handling the stuff of life, paying the bills, um, taking care of business, taking care of life responsibilities, very down and grounded type individuals. And this is also very valuable. And so when I'm working with individuals, I take a look at what is the propensity? And I ask myself, what is my propensity as I shared as a youngster it was more ascending but I had to balance and train myself to be more descending to care about the things of the world to care about hey listen I might be into enlightenment and expansion but what about taking care of my family and my children and my rent and my mortgage and my bills and my business so I went on a journey to really cultivate that descending line so I would get strong at it because I knew I needed stronger roots in that and so I feel if we can look at ourselves and say, do I have more of a predisposition, propensity to ascend out of the body into these subtle more states of consciousness or desire to be in these um, higher states of being and consciousness? Or am I more grounded in on the earth plane and enjoying this and wanting to get in my body, but perhaps I'm missing the higher thoughts, higher principles or values? So for me, the key is, is to cultivate strength in both of these lines. Mm. So to know what your predisposition is, your propensity to honor, to love, to cherish that, to expand on that, but to become a whole being, to work on the other end as well, whatever that be. So if you're very down and grounded and you're really good at all the things of the earth and, and things of everyday nature, paying the bills and, and, and getting stuff done and shit done, that's great. Well, now take the time to meditate time to read more about subtle energies take the time to learn from people who are tapped into awarenesses and expansions that you might not be able to feel and I think it's an, there's no arrival in that journey it's a constant topping up and expansion of being and I, how do you make sense of that for people so uh, I, I've noticed uh, in terms of success in this world so material wealth and, and success and recognition and accolades and, and these things 
they hit they hit us in a way that that it, it's like significance belonging all of these fundamental human experiences that that are wired for us to to feel a part of yes um but without the right framework or the right context they they're not sustainable like yes. we can it becomes an addiction success yes. can become an addiction wealth can become an addiction beauty can become an addiction and so i'm curious for someone who might have found success in this world but it now is having some sense that that's not enough how do you help them make sense of that because what it can often feel like to someone who's achieved success is they have to give all that away which in, in a way I, I believe you do but but more more on a, a level of relationship not necessarily explicitly letting it go yes. where it needs to be different like out of your life but but that you're not holding it in that way anymore so how do you support people with that the way I see it in my experience and my support is you know, you shared about the desire for self-recognition, significance, valuing oneself, one's self-importance. The paradox is that as we grow in our ability to have more success in life, the traditional models of success, at least success by your own standards, right? I use the philosophy um, in my work I call the philosophy of the warrior sage the principles of the warrior and the sage for me the warrior is the one who's using Actions the one who's grounded in action the one who's grounded in courageous action one who's grounded in the action that brings goodness on the planet Not the warrior for war's sake the warrior for expansion the one who's willing to face their fears the ones who are willing to see within ourselves where am I? Um, holding myself back where am I playing small? Where am I uh, perhaps prisoner to my fears or to a ceiling that has been imposed on me from society or others? So for me, the warrior is to step forward into that regardless, no matter what. But as we step forward, if we just go into warrior, then we'll become success-oriented crazy people, all right? We'll just keep going for more and more achievement, more and more success. And ultimately, when we keep doing that, and the folks I've coached, some of them have made multi, multi, multi millions and hundreds of millions of dollars, there'll come a time, sooner or later, where that's not fulfilling. Mm -hmm. It has to. That's the nature of evolution. We must gain and then recognize that gain has diminishing returns if we keep going down that line. The signs and symptoms of these things is boredom, distractions, the desire to fill ourselves up with drugs, alcohol, sex, food, you name it, as you shared, all these particular type of uh, addictions. That's when you know that your soul is calling you to go to a new level of being. Mm. You could go down further into the realm of distraction to try to fill in this emptiness, or you could do the, the braver thing which is to remove yourself temporarily from the noise of life, go retreat into nature, find a mentor, find a guide, find someone who can take you away from the noise of experience, the noise of the world. And then when you're away from the noise of the world, you start to give your soul a chance for it to speak to your conscious mind. The conscious mind is bombarded every day with all the doings of life. It cannot hear the voice of the soul, which is always there, I believe, until we enter the sage dimension of being. Mm. And the sage is, it starts with this, I've discovered. So we talked about significance and self-importance, and, and that's a natural desire to grow. The paradox in Zen is, you actually have to be willing to surrender self-importance 
self-significance, the desire to grow your reputation in the world, which might have brought you to a certain level of success, right? The gaining of reputation, the gaining of significance. If you're working in a company, an organization, that's what you need to build to go up the ladder. But to build spiritually, you have to dismantle within yourself the desire for reputation, for significance. And paradoxically, what happens is, as you lower your self-importance on this being my mode of operation, I'll gain more and more significance, what starts to happen is people see you as significant without you trying. Mm. The world sees you as significant and flows towards you rather than you trying to gain and win and conquer everything. This has been my journey of discovery mm. and with just about every entrepreneur I've seen. But there's a sacred point where we come to this place of true inner boredom, true inner feeling that this is not the fulfillment that my soul is yearning for. When we are loyal to that, that's the beginning of a life of profound miracles. <laughs> I love it. And, and for me, what I, what I see is the, the sage aspect of, of the human condition in a way represents, this is just my, my perspective, is it, it represents the, the being, it represents the, the, the context, like the why of life. Yes. And then the warrior is about the, the, the substance, the material, the, the content, the doing of life. Yes. And, and the, the marriage of the two is, is what a whole human being is, is fully uh, in service to. Yes. That, that, that one is, is supporting the other. Yes. And, and uh, it's so beautiful and, and it makes me smile inside. And I recognize that um, I'm able to see that for a lot of different reasons. You know, I'm able to see it because I've had embodied examples in my life. I'm, I'm able to see it because I, I listened to that feeling of this isn't it. So, but I know there's something deeper that is it. And then I went on my journeys to, to discover, to listen, to feel, to, yes. to connect to it. And, uh, yeah, I really can, I can see how what you're talking about, which I see as a kind of embodiment from the inside out, instead yes. of trying to prove you're significant, you're connecting to what actually is significant about life. And then that in a, in a funny way lives us. Yes. Like we are, we are surrendered to, to what is significant. And then the significance of that comes through in us, in what we are, in what we do, in what we say. And then that, that registers in others as significant. Yes. Yeah. Beautifully shared, my friend. You know, this virtue and value of wisdom, depth, wisdom, is on a comeback. <laughs> I wish it's on a comeback mm. and I'm rooting for it to be on a comeback and what you're doing here is supporting its comeback and many people are doing that. When we move away from wisdom in society as the highest virtue and value, we get what we have today. We have technology, we have the capacity to put people on other planets, we have incredible capacities in science and just continuously expanding artificial intelligence. What about old school wisdom intelligence? So for me, wisdom is the new black once again. And when we start valuing and saying, listen, hold on, what's wise here? Not what can I gain from this? 
Not what can I relinquish from this, but what's the wisest thing in this moment for me to live from? Where's the wisest place for me to act from? What's the wisest place for me to deliver from? Where's the wisdom in me and the wisest place in me to do nothing from? And to be in the heart of beingness and resting in my true self. So I think we're at a generation now where self-realization, self-illumination, coming to our transcendent nature is a must. It's a profound must on this planet right now to take us from really our capacity to destroy this planet to creating a utopia. But it's going to be coming from wisdom. Mm -hmm. Anything less than that, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. Could you could you say more about the meaning that you're that you're coming from in the word wisdom? I know we use it all the time. People are yes. familiar with the word, and and I think there's levels of meaning to that word. So if you could bring a little bit more detail yeah. to that. Yeah. So for me, the first step of wisdom is coming to recognize and have a direct experience of one's own true nature. The Japanese call this Kensho, Satori, Satori, the yogis call it Samadhi, doesn't matter what name you call it. The idea is, is take on some form of meditative, contemplative, self-inquiry process, asking truly, who am I? And not just taking the superficial answer, continuing to ask oneself deeper, who am I? Whatever answer comes from within, I'm a father. I'm a businessman, I'm a brother, I'm a family man. Whatever ideas come up, don't take that as the first answer. Ask again, who am I? And then check in from your soul. Well, well, I'm this and I'm that. And then ask yourself again. This continuous asking and checking in, receiving what answers come from within space, and then letting them go, and then going and asking once again, what's even deeper than that? Who am I? This burrowing in, releasing the, relinquishing the superficial layers of identities of who we think we are, I feel that's the source of true wisdom. When we do that, what happens is the ideas that we have of intelligence, success, who we think we are, who we think we should be, all our self-imposed uh, obligations, they all start falling away. They all start dissolving. And then as we get closer to our center, we recognize there's an internal, uh, an eternal aspect of our nature that needs nothing. It's complete. It's whole. It's full. It's already free. It's already free. It needs nothing to be more abundant. It's already abundance itself. Now that's a journey. And when we are even committed to that journey, it doesn't even matter about achieving the journey of wisdom because there's no arrival. It's having the desire that I wish to live my life from a place of soul and mind congruence where my mind is, says yes to my decisions and my ideals and my ideas, but deeper in, there's a comfort within my being, a comfort in, at a soul level. And so, for me, when my soul is in comfort, I can relax, I have deep sleep, I feel like I'm in harmony with nature, and that's the source of wisdom, the comfort of the soul. And the comfort of the soul for me is the direct navigation tool already built in by the divine, already built in in my own inner nature that directs me to greater wisdom. Mm. Am I going more into tension? 
with this decision, with this direction, with this job, with this relationship? Am I getting more crunchy? Am I getting more tight? Or am I breathing more? Am I doing less and life is flowing to me more? I think these are some of the indicators which give us more of a tacit, real-life understanding of what wisdom is as a living embodiment rather than just a tool. Mm. Then, of course, seek out those who are wise. Ask friends. Read books from people who have been around life. Seek those who are masters in their respective fields. Go out and reach for them. Ask them the pearls of life. But don't just listen to their answers, which are tend, tend to be universal and perennial in wisdom. Listen to how and where they're coming from, the transmission of being that they're emanating from when they're sharing the wisdom of their life. That's the deepest part to absorb. And I feel that really grows us. Yeah, I'm, I'm fully on board and, and I see the, the dilemma for this is sort of more of a broader human dilemma which is what I hear in what you're speaking is an alignment. So wisdom is this embodied uh, understanding and capacity and, and, and intelligence that comes through the living of what alignment is from the inside out. Yes. This, this fundamental, like I had this realization and I think maybe a lot of kids do but that that mathematics isn't it. Mathematics is like a language to express what what really does, what, what is intelligent enough to make this whole reality what it is. It is constantly holding and informing the movement of all, all substance, all matter, all energy in the entire universe, all of this world and uh, all the life here and all of the interactions, all informed by this underlying intelligence. And mathematics is, is our particular language to try to kind of quantify that intelligence and that wisdom is, is what human beings can develop by being aligned with that intelligence. And, and the, the dilemma that I see is that that alignment does involve real cost to any part of our life that isn't aligned. <laughs> so if, we've, if it's like building a house and if we've built the house on areas of the ground that are not real, that, that part of the house has to come down. Yes. And, and, and will eventually anyways on its for own. For sure. But, but, but we, I had this realization as well that even though conceptually we know that we'll die, on an experiential level, we've always been here. Yes. Right? Like yes. for me in yes. my life, I don't have an experience of non-being. Yes. Even though it will come and actually before I was here, it was there. This, the, the experience of, of non-being uh, is, is just true. And yet we live under this umbrella of I've always been here because yes. experientially that's how it feels and so then giving it up it's it's hard to make sense of that and I feel like that's one of our main roles of, of inviting more people into and it's not an exclusive thing but into the circle of of recognition of the the, the preciousness and opportunity of life yes is is if I'm going to invite that I have to be living that. Yes. It's not a do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. That just, because you're talking about like a deeper transmission that's there, not just the words, not just yes. the ideas, which you could pick up a, a thousand books that say the same thing. Yes. But there is something about being with someone that is that, that lives that, that is different than the content of the words. Yes. And, and, and for us to be available for that is special. And that, that's why human relationship for me is such a, a, magical, juicy, uh, 
meaningful place for us to go, what's really going on here? Yes. What is it that's really happening and what's really possible through this exchange? Yes. Uh, I was talking with a friend earlier today about, you know, sometimes we go to workshops or we go to ceremonies and we really take care and we're, we're recognizing the, the, the sacredness of life and then the ceremony's over and we go back to life and fall back into the kind of monotony of living, the, yes. the, the going through the motions. And my mom and I, who have worked together a lot, we often say to people, there's no such thing as a workshop. <laughs> there is no work. We're here together. Yes. But don't treat this like a workshop where you're going to do the work and then go back to life. Yes. It's just life. Yeah. That's all there is. So, you know, we're, we're getting into the relational side of things. Um, is there anything you could say to me about... Um, if there's a, a, a core nugget or, or a thread of truth about what allows this interpersonal space that we can share mm, be so good. impactful for us, what is it? I have a self-inquiry, a question I ask myself every day. And everyone is welcome to use this. It's a warrior sage self-inquiry it's a discipline and it's got high stakes to it there's some fire and some burn underneath this question and it is what must i do today to live love and die completely without regret what must i do today to live love and die fully without regret now Hearing those words, okay, strong question. But when we really ask ourselves that, if I ask, what must I do today to live fully without, die, with, you know, without any regret? What must I do? Well, today what we're doing includes that. My family is over here. I'm going to have a nice fun time with them later today. I'm on a discipline with my personal training. I'm doing later tonight with my wife. I must do those things. And if I do those small little things today, I know I've lived fully I can die without regret. But that's not enough. What must I do to live love fully without any type of regret? Well, let me see. My family is here, so I feel I'm fulfilling that. I don't need to do more on that. I have a little inkling in my back of my head. I haven't talked to my daughter in about a week. I'm going to maybe, I'll, yes, I'll do that. I'm going to reach out and give her a call, leave a message, tell her how much I love her. Give me a call. And so live, love, and what must I do to die completely without regret? To me, I feel if I did those things, I could die today completely without any regret. And by answering those questions, I use this in a journal. I'll put that in the beginning of my day. What must I do to live, love, and die completely without regret? What happens is it keeps me on the razor's edge of my warrior and my sage. It keeps me dialed into my highest purpose, it taps me into the wisdom that's already here within my being and it puts me at my edge. I can't be lax with this question. Some days the answer might be just to take a nap and take the day off and go for a walk in the park. Another day it might be go ahead and initiate these business calls that I've been procrastinating. Whatever it is, there's no real answer except the one that comes from you. But integrity is, is following through from the inner answer and then doing it absolutely by the end of the day. And trust me, what I've seen with this type of strength of dialing in and fulfilling it, wisdom merges, self-love comes, 
self-respect grows and then the transcendent the transcendent comes to you because now you're aligned with the transcendent you're aligned with that which is beyond your personal life you're aligned with something that is the divine itself i believe the nature of existence and now you're also dialed into your role with the nature of existence and you're fulfilling your role in the nature of existence what can be more fulfilling anything less is not even fulfilling anything less is a betrayal of depth so when we're no longer willing to betray depth and we are a servant of the depth that's already within our heart that's yearning to express itself daily then freedom is here today love is here today enlightenment is here today and it's not relegated to the future or some past good old times yeah i love those questions and and i can feel as i as i let them in the the joy that's there the hunger that's there to fulfill those questions and and also the touch of fear is not the right word but it's sort of like a, a conditioned resistance to what that kind of living ends in me these little corners of comfort and and safety yeah. that I've created falsely to again just to 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 have life feel a little bit more manageable and and I think that's the question that I want to bring is for someone who's listening and they hear what you're saying and it's resonating with them and maybe a voice inside is saying I can't do that <laughs> no one can do this <laughs> to live an extraordinary life no one can do this and that's why we should yeah. We're not free and yet we are free. That's the paradox. Mm -hmm. There's an aspect of our nature which has already been love, which is already free. Already. It needs no relationship. It needs no fulfillment from external sources. And yet, to find that, we actually have to go through the paradoxical journey of realizing it's not there until we realize it's there. Mm -hmm. So, these this question what must i do to live love and die completely without regret there should be an edge in there it, it should bring up mm. an edge mm -hmm. because if we're not at our edge then we're in some form of slow self drip poison when we are at our edge there's an exhilaration the kundalini starts to get stirred what starts to happen is the evolutionary life force is what I'm calling Kundalini from the yogic standpoint. The force within us that is yearning to evolve beyond our current state of mind and body, that's yearning to go to our next level of humanity within ourselves and in society. That growth happens at an edge when there's this subtle energy where it's like, whoa, I'm going to have to breathe deeper if I'm really going to answer this question, if I'm going to take those next steps. Whoa, that means I'm going to have to be a little bit more courageous. Whoa, that means I'm going to have to be a little bit more calm and centered when I approach so-and-so or my friend or my family member that I've got strife with. Whatever it might be. Facing the edge is where exhilaration is and life force is most activated and opportunity becomes bountiful mm. when we're not the universe pulls away from us because we've pulled away from it mm. by facing the edge we face reality reality loves us back and faces us as the divine lover itself is my experience mm. and then it showers upon us the opportunities the spaces the congruencies the uh, synchronicities which seem magical 
but they're not. They're coming from the congruence of my soul and mind is going to follow through with what must I do today, this week, this year, to live, love, and die completely without regret. And I see there's a piece in there that, that has been extremely helpful for me and that I, I often use it when I'm working with people, which is for us to really do that and have it make sense to us, there's a certain coming apart that's needed around our relationship with our experience. Yes. Because I think often we equate a, a pleasurable or pleasant experience with something being right. And, and, and there's a need for us to kind of unwind the tangle of relationship with experience that we've created, which is we have experience and we have a sort of overlay of story about experience in terms of what it means to us. Yes. And then we make choices about what's real and what's not, what's possible and what's not, based on the stories we've told about the experiences we have. Yes. And that, and that I'm often pointing people to the difference between knowing or, or a kind of depth of clarity with a powerful experience, yes. which are not the same thing. I can have an extremely strong experience of resistance to something that is absolutely right for me to do right now. And if I listen to the experience and the story I have about it, the likelihood I say no to what's actually right is extremely high. Yes. If I recognize that the experience, in spite of how powerful it might be, isn't objective truth, but what my nervous system is currently activated in, yes. and I'm actually connected to this deeper intelligence, this aligned clarity that you're talking about, I can make my choices from that in spite of any kind of experience I'm having on the surface. Yeah. And that that, knowing that and beginning to re refer to that as, as our compass point is, is a, a powerful way for us to shift what feels impossible. Yes. Because the feeling is not real. To support that, the way I look at it, there's the energy in my body and the energy of what feels right or wrong or yes or no about this. And then there's the knowingness. Knowingness is not energy. Knowingness is knowingness. <laughs> you may be at a store or see something and, you know, you know inside that that particular product or service or something is not good for you. It could be, you know, some food that's not good for you or some movie that's extremely violent or something and you know it's not. And so, but your energy might be into it, but your knowingness knows, no, that's not the best. And... So I feel it's a reorientation from becoming one who follows one's energies to following one's knowing. And there's discernment on that path. Mm -hmm. But if you don't start, you're not going to get cleaner and clearer and truer with that discernment. So ask yourself today, where's my energy towards something? And then what's the truth I have with that? Yeah. Yeah, the one I use to help people that in a way that's more obvious is if you, if you see a chocolate bar and a piece of broccoli, your relationship with those foods, for some people, the broccoli is, is the one they want. Yes. But for some people, they want the chocolate bar. Yes. And more deeply than that, they know that the broccoli is better for them. Yes. So, and and that, that analogy, which is very simple, yes. I think can be used to start to make sense of areas of life that currently are not clear. Absolutely. Like, well, what's the difference between like wanting and, and energy versus unknowing? And it's like, 
It's just a deeper sense. And is that... it good for your soul or is it good for your senses? Mm. Is it good That's for your good excitement or is it good for your soul? Mm. Is it good for your tantalizations or is it good for your soul? Mm. Is it good for your reputation and your significance in the world or is it good for your soul? Sometimes those things might be aligned. Totally. But many times they won't be. Often not. <laughs> so I feel like we're, we're getting close to our, our time and, and what I want to do with this podcast, of course, is to share really powerful, relevant wisdom around the human condition and, and what we're here for and, and communication and relationships. And I also want to hear from guests about uh, a, a particular conversation they had that, that stands out for them, that, that really changed things, where they can see that the trajectory of their life changed because wow. of that conversation. So I was wondering if you could share yes. something. I'm getting goosebumps on this one. Yeah. This one stands out very, very strongly for me. I had attained a lot of success in my martial arts schools in my 20s and 30s. I had martial arts schools, I had hypnotherapy centers and holistic wellness centers and I had done well as a franchisor and franchisee and, and I had a lot of time and space freedom and I was studying with one of my mentors, David Data. And this was one of the first seminars I'd, I had attended and I had sat down and we're sitting around in the room. And he has this uncanny ability to look at you right in the eyes and he would give us a fun spiritual name to use for the duration of this workshop. And he looked at me straight in the eyes and he said, your name for the workshop is Suffering While Waiting. That's a funny name. And so I would have to declare, hello everyone, my name is Suffering While Waiting. And then everyone says, hi, Suffering While Waiting. And I'm like, Suffering While Waiting? I got it all made. I got a great wife. I've got beautiful children. I've got great businesses. I've got health. I'm... And what he saw in me was I, I was at my peak in that realm. I could have taught martial arts with my eyes closed by that time. There was no more edge in my life. I was ready for a new level of expansion starting all over. And so I met with him at the side. And he goes, you've got it everything down so well it's time for you to be at your edge because none of this is at your edge anymore you're suffering while you're in this evolutionary sort of stasis point you're plateaued and you've been plateaued for a long time and i knew it i knew it and i didn't let myself feel that plateau because if i did it meant i would have i felt i would have had to drum myself up in some type of doing this again hey hold on a sec i've just achieved a lot of I don't have to do so much right now. But it wasn't the doing in the outer world. Mm. It was my soul that was ready for its next evolution. Mm. So that hit me like a ton of bricks. And what happened was then, within a matter of a few days, that koan of suffering while waiting, I felt it worse and worse. I knew I was stagnant at my core. So I took the keys to my business. I gave it to my brother and my father. I said, it's yours. I'm moving out west. <laughs> And so I moved out west, and I started from scratch again. Where were you? I was in Ontario, yeah. near Toronto area. Yeah. I uh, sold my martial arts school and my other businesses, and I took every last cent, and I came here where you are now. Such a excellent. beautiful spot. What and, a good idea. And that was the best thing I could have done for my soul. And mm. from there, a whole new life opened up for me. Mm. So that was a very pivotal moment. And it was the conversation of getting hit between the eyes and recognizing that I was stagnant. And um, I was wasting my life away. Although from the outside, I'd achieved a lot of success. My soul was yearning for what's next. And can you say anything about, less about what was said to you 
but but the context of it or or how it was said to you because i'm also yeah. curious <laughs> sometimes the content really gets us but but i'm also very clear that that who is saying it and how they're saying it also has a massive impact on how it lands for us. So can you say anything about yes. for David, what, what he was saying or doing that, that was more nuanced than just the words he was using? He looked at me deep in the eyes. David is a spiritual master and very dialed into the psycho-emotional condition of being. And he loves, he loves me and he loves, uh, as a teacher, he very much cares and loves me. And so... It was with this penetrating gaze, but with wide open heart, as well as this razor sharp, like samurai sword. It was like he took a, a sword and pierced my heart. And at the end of the sword was a flower that he put right in my heart. Mm. And he pulled out the sword with this, so there's no bleeding even, but it was a sharp sword. Piercing. Piercing, yeah. but inside a lotus was planted. And. And it was delivered in this way of, I'm not looking at your personality. I'm not looking at you, Satyan, as just you. I'm looking at your, your dharma in the world. What are you here to contribute fully? He saw me greater with more vision than I could see myself at that moment. And it was the... The vi it, it was him holding me into a vision deeper than I could ever hold myself in that time. That ushered me, pulled me into what he saw in me. And it was a penetrating, profound love that opened me. And I'm very grateful to this day because of it. Yeah, yeah it makes me think of the, the why of, of our expression can come in a few forms. And, and I, I, I've boiled it down and this is oversimplified, but essentially like me, you, we, all. Yes. And, and when someone speaks to us that's in the interest of all, it includes us, but it's not limited to us. So, and then there's, there's a kind of love in it that, that transcends the personal. Yes. So then someone can give us what sounds like bad news yes. or, or that, that what's hard to hear. Yes. But we feel the love all in it because it's the highest, not just for us, but for everything. Yes. And that's, that, for me, it's the highest form of expression. Thanks for the time. An honor. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll do it again. Absolutely.